This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Brett and Cody had a chat about Joseph Smith, and he said... They didn't speak for five years afterward. It's a long time. That's a long time for best friends to not speak. And that goes to how important Joseph Smith is within all Mormonism, within the LDS church, as well as if you're gonna go fundamental or you're gonna leave it all together. A lot of it ends up pivoting on Joseph Smith, whether or not you believe he's a prophet. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for nine years and have two awesome kiddos. Yes, we do. If you're interested in just listening in today, we do have our podcast available, and please don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, our holiday fundraiser is over. Thank you all so much. We more than doubled our goal, so we're so grateful to all of you, and we hope you all had a wonderful holiday season. If you would like to continue to support us in our mission to create compassion and awareness for these polygamous communities and learn more about polygamy and what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy, then you can still use the donation button below if you'd like that. Yes, thank you all so much for your support. We are back with Fresh Eyes on Sister Wives, season six. Yes, the second part. So season six was blocked off into two parts. We're in the second part and there was some interesting stuff. For any of you that are new to our channel, we like to focus on the religious aspects, compare the way that the Browns practice polygamy versus the way that Sam grew up in polygamy. And also compare some of their religious beliefs as far as like Cody and Janelle being raised in the LDS church and the way that I grew up in the LDS church. So that's kind of the angle we take at it. We hope you enjoy. Part two had quite a few things religiously, which was exciting for us to talk about. We'll go through even some of the things that aren't about that, but the first thing is this part of the season kind of started off with a talk about college for kids. Right. In the tell-all later, they even talked about the fact that they're going to have like a kid graduating from high school for the next 10 years, all except That's for one crazy. year. Yeah. But I think that part that like kind of threw me off about this whole conversation is that they were saying that they've never talked about their finances like as a whole group before. Yeah, we got a sneak peek finally and how that all works out and how there's a family pot and then each individual person or adult, I guess you could say, the parents have their own budget as well. Yeah, and they didn't tell us that until the tell-all at the very end. During the actual conversation at the beginning of the season, it was just a hot mess. It was like so unclear of where the money was coming from, and they made it seem like Mary was wanting the whole family to pay for her kid's college, but that was going to be four times the amount. Like, it was a hot mess that's normally the Brown family, but... And at the end, when they explained it, I feel like they did a much better job explaining it. How does that compare to how you were raised? What were the financial, like, how were the financial situations? There is is so, my goodness, the differences between the Brown family and the polygamy that I was raised in is just night and day. I mean, it is so, so different. In my home, it was, as far as the financial stuff goes, once again, because we all lived together, we were all in the same home, it was everyone put their money into a pot, and then it was dispersed as needed. For example, let's say my father was making his money, so he would, you know, that goes into the pot. 
some of the older siblings were out working and bring money home that would go into the pot. Everything would kind of go into the pot and then ultimately father would be the one to disperse who needs what. So for example, each mother would have a quote-unquote budget like okay this is the money you get this week for grocery bills this is the money you get for clothing that the children may need things like that where each each mother had like money I don't I think it was a monthly budget that was like okay this is for the motherly duties for the clothing the housing cleaning materials the food all of that stuff they would take care of so and then once in a while they would make a big trip to either Costco or Walmart which none of those exist in the town I grew up so we would travel to those places. St. George where I yeah George, we'd always yeah. see polygamists in our Walmarts and Costcos. Exactly so that's where we would go for buying a you know the bulk stuff where we would kind of stock up on foods and things like that so anyway but it was very much just everybody was a part of the same thing no one really could no one really would make their money, keep their money, and do with what they pleased with their money kind of mentality. It was all out of the same pot. Yeah, so it's interesting seeing them talk about their budgeting as far as college and how that was all going to work out. Next came Mother's Day where they had all, this was definitely a producer idea, right? Like, let's get all of your mother-in-laws and your mother and your four wives and watch Cody attempt to do Mother's Day with that many women and um, it made for good TV. It did and speaking <laughs> of producers idea I we had a realization this season we think that a lot of the stuff the Brown family does or publicly what they do publicly is I don't think any other family would do that I, I, I think that the producers are saying hey let's do this and we'll pay for it and then, you know, and then we'll film you while you struggle to meet deadlines and things <laughs> like that. To spice things up and make it. That's sure what it seems like. It does the, seem like that sometimes. In some of the things they do. But anyway, yes, it was... Mother's Day was interesting. In, Mother's Day was very interesting. When Cody went and took out his mother-in-laws after shopping, though, it was also interesting that most of his in-law mother-in-laws mm -hmm. are practicing plural marriage, right? His mom and Janelle's mom are both married to his father. And then Christine's mom is the only one that had left her plural marriage and had left the religion. And they were talking about like the relationship struggling and asking, you know, Cody's asking them for advice of how to have the sister wives have a better relationship together and, and kind of talking about, I'd say that's the theme throughout this entire season is that obviously the wives are struggling to connect with each other. They always talk about how the kids adjusted very quickly right. but the wives are not wanting to really be like a cohesive unit they like each having their own space which how could they not after a couple of years living completely separately right you're in your own space for a couple of years it would be easy to forget that you even had like sister wives are just these people that you get together with stuff but like you're not, in your own world right not to mention that he married four very, what's the best way to say this? Independent. Independent, but not fully independent in the sense of, I guess, physical things, but just very strong-wheeled. Yeah. Right? Like, they all have very strong opinions. They all want things a certain way. And to have them try to be this one family unit 
is I, compared to what I've seen in polygamy, I from the get-go I was thinking, wow, I don't know if this is even going to work at all, even when we first started watching this. Yeah, and then they use like Cody's mom and Janelle's mom as an example of like how it's supposed to work, but they both admit, and it was so sad when Cody's mom was talking about, she was like, it was so painful and how hellish and hard plural marriage was, and... It just broke my heart a little bit because when you're practicing plural marriage, and in fact, like Cody's mom and dad, they were LDS and then they converted to the idea of plural marriage. And it was actually his mom who, you know, believed in the principle of it. Right. And it just broke my heart that she felt like God's plan for her was for her to live in hell and painful and misery. If you believe in the principle, that's your belief, and then you start practicing it and you realize that it's absolute hell on earth, and the only thing that gets you through is that you think it's what God wants for you. And it just made me sad. It just made me sad. I have a feeling that a lot of polygamous wives feel the same way that Cody's mom does in that, you know, that it's just very difficult, but it's a trial that God wants me to prove my, prove my faithfulness, and I'm going to just stick it out just to prove that I can do what God wants me to do. Yeah. And that, God that, doesn't want you to be miserable. I yeah, don't know. That's it's not so a, hard for me. That's not a very nice way to live life, I would say, just to endure, you know, just to struggle through it. You know, you can do this. But unfortunately, not only in polygamy, but a lot of people in general feel that it is their duty to struggle through and prove that in the end they can come out stronger. Yeah. Christine even asked Cody's mom and was like, well, how did you make it through? Mm -hmm. And Christine was like, I don't know. I don't know how we survived through that. Yeah. And then it just took like a long time, basically a long period of time. I think she said it was like 15 years or something before they ended up becoming sweet friends. Right. But that was a little heartbreaking. Christine's mom, again, is the only one who left her polygamous relationship. And the stuff that she said Oh, it was heartbreaking in a different way, but she said, I didn't need to be told how to be a good person. And I was constantly trying to be perfect and be what I was told I needed to be from the church as a wife, as a mother. And I realized that I don't need all of that influence in order to be a good person and be the best version of myself. And I thought that was super sweet, but I also know how hard it is to leave a religion. I can't imagine leaving like... Mm -hmm. Even though, obviously, she was miserable in her plural marriage enough to actually leave, I still can't imagine how hard that would be to leave a plural marriage or to leave a marriage at all over the fact, like, over religious reasons. Right, and you have to wonder when she says things like, I didn't need to be told that I wasn't good enough. I didn't need to be told how to live my life. I was, I was good enough to do it on my own, right? Mm -hmm. you got to wonder what kind of marriage she had. Yeah. Because just like a monogamous marriage in polygamy, based on the person that you marry, your experience will be so different. Yeah. There, I mean, I think that there are some men out there that are living the plural marriage law and actually believe in it and actually are trying their best to be as fair and as good to their wives as possible. I do think that it does exist. But I also think that there are a lot of men that take advantage of the system in the sense that, you know, they become the patriarch and that they are in charge and that they rule the land, right? And I know that some men are being taught that that's what they're supposed to do by the religion that they belong to. I do know that. But at the same time, 
depending on that person that you marry, your experience will be so different. And I wonder if Janelle, not Janelle, Christine's mom was always quote unquote being put in her place. Yeah. I also, man, we definitely felt for her a lot when they talked about the fact that when she did leave the religion, how that impacted the relationship with Christine and Christine and Cody said that they feared Christine's mom and they were so worried about what that relationship would look like, not having the same beliefs anymore. And I think that that's really common. I know even within the LDS, when somebody leaves your faith and you believe the same, you know, you've believed the same. So there's that idea that you think the same way. And then somebody leaves the LDS church. I think sometimes, you know, there's people who have really bad experiences like, oh, people cut me off. They want to be my friend anymore. We haven't experienced that, luckily. But there's definitely been that same experience of where I think people fear us. They fear like the changes that we might make or that we're going to be such a different person that now we won't have common ground or be able to have that same relationship. Right. And it's really sad and it's hard to try to like convince other people that you're the same person. And I thought it was really sweet that I think it was Mary's mom was like, no, you guys still need to reach out to her and still let her have a relationship with her grandkids. Like she's the same person. And then when they took the time to ask her, this person who had left, they took the time to ask her, they found out that she still supported them in their marriage. And that's how I feel like it is with us. The people who've reached out to us after us choosing to leave the LDS church, who have actually reached out with kindness and love and been like, hey, how's it going? Or like, I still want to have a relationship with you, have come to realize that we're not, we don't hate that they're in it, that we don't, that we are still supportive of them and their religious beliefs and that we can still like have this good relationship. But it's hard when people fear that. They fear it. I mean, in their defense, I guess you could say, we were the ones that decided to change, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're very grateful for the changes that we have made in our lives Definitely. but at the same time they've i mean not they people always talk about when people choose to change and step away from a certain belief that in a lot of cases they become very bitter and become these people that aren't fun to be around that's kind of the idea behind it and so i i think that a lot of people within religions fear that when someone steps out they're going to become these monsters, I guess you could say, against the church and their beliefs. But everyone, I would say most people don't turn that way. Most people are just trying to live the best life they can. Now that does happen. People do turn bitter and in some cases, cases rightfully so, based on experiences they've had. Yeah. So I think just showing sympathy and and trying to understand where people are coming from and not just assume that they fit into one category yeah. is the important thing here. And I think it was super sweet that it was Mary's mom who helped them realize like, no, reach out and you'll realize that your relationships can still be good with Christine's mom. Exactly. So it's very yeah. sweet. Along those religious lines, Brett, who was mm. Cody's mission companion and best friend, came to visit with him and his wife. And that was an interesting dynamic as well and story to that because Cody talked about the fact that while Cody was on his LDS mission is when his mother and father converted and decided that they wanted to practice polygamy. And he was saying that, you know, he's on his LDS mission and Brett was his companion. And when they got home, they both kind of had these like faith crises. And Cody ended up going to fundamentalism and to polygamy and Brett chose to leave religion altogether. And it's a big difference. 
Big difference, but I feel like it is so common within the mainstream LDS church. And I know we've said it before, but I will say it again, that a lot of times, especially when the church is progressive in some way, you'll see break-offs. And that's why there's so many break-offs and there's so many polygamists in Utah. They estimate like 30 to 40,000 polygamists in Utah. And when the church progresses, people go back to the roots or the fundamentals of the LDS church. And it almost always leads to polygamy. And well, there's only two places to go from fundamentals. When people are having a hard time in the mainstream church, let's see if I can get my hands on the screen here, right? <laughs> you go back, you go back. And when you get to the fundamental, there ends up being two ways for you to go. I guess three. You can either become stronger in your LDS faith. You can go towards polygamy and say the church is strayed from its fundamental beliefs and it can go towards polygamy. Or it can say, I don't believe these fundamentals at all anymore. And you end up leaving religion. Yeah. I would say a lot of times when people are struggling with their faith hard enough, it does end up more into the two. They either go fundamental or leave the religion altogether. Although the third option is definitely oh, can yeah. happen as well. And it does happen for yeah. sure. Yeah, it was interesting to see that change. And everyone just has a different journey. And you, you would think that maybe they would have a similar journey considering that they served a mission. Not only did they both serve a mission, they served a mission together. Had mm -hmm. a very similar, I imagine, experience since they were companions in their mission. And one person comes back and says, religion's not for me, I'm out of here. And the other one says, I'm going to dive deep here and go way into the religion side, religious side of things since, you know, he kind of went, Cody went back to the fundamentals of the Mormon church. So it's, it's just, you never know. Everyone is going to end up in different places based on what they feel is best for them. And, and also, a lot of times, the people that they surround themselves with does affect that as well. Yeah. Also, he did say, like, it was so great to see that they can still be friends now and they can, like, understand each other and still not... Like, Brett was like, I would never want to practice polygamy, but, like, I can support Cody in doing it, right? right. And Cody can support the fact that Brett lives differently than he does. But I thought it was interesting that they did say, Cody said at one point, Brett and Cody had a chat about Joseph Smith. So again, coming back to those fundamentals to the very first prophet, Joseph Smith. And he said, they didn't speak for five years afterward. It's a long time. That's a long time for best friends to not speak. And again, that goes to how important Joseph Smith is within all Mormonism, within the LDS church, as well as if you're gonna go fundamental or you're gonna leave it all together, a lot of it ends up pivoting on Joseph Smith, whether or not you believe he's a prophet. Right, because if you believe that he is a prophet, then everything else, you know, from there down, including the Book of Mormon and all of the scriptures that came from that yeah. are true. But if you believe Joseph Smith was a false prophet, then once again, everything, everything that came after that is crumbles. Yeah. So it's a big, it's, and, and I, I know the mainstream LDS church especially, no, even the break-off fundamental Mormon churches also believe that the Book of Mormon is the keystone to the in, religion, in, yeah. a, in a way, in that the only way to prove the church wrong is to prove the Book of Mormon wrong. And a lot of people claim that they have pro proven the Book of Mormon wrong, but the churches would say nay. You have not. And so they well, kind of hold on to that. That's because the biggest witness, at least when you are raised LDS like I was, you don't try to find like physical proof or evidence. We're always told that all of the proof you need is like a spiritual witness. So mm -hmm. in the end of the Book of Mormon, it says that you should, you know, kneel down and pray to know if these things are true and right. that you'll receive a confirmation that they are. So once you have that in your life and you believe that and you pray about it and you believe the Book of Mormon is true, physical evidence is 
don't matter as much to people within Mormonism, or they typically don't. If they do start mattering and people start searching for physical evidences and they can't find that, that's when people can have, you know, certain faith crises over that. But anyway, it was really cool. I'm glad that they are friends now and that they were able right. to work through that and realize that just because people have religious differences, it doesn't mean that you can't be friends. It seems like they sort of mended their relationship during or at the time of Robin's marriage yeah. to, to Cody is when that kind of, they came back together. But yeah, it seems like they're fine now. Yeah, which is good. Brett's wife, while she was there, asked some good questions because again, throughout this whole season, it's very clear that the wives are having issues, that they don't get along as friends very well. It definitely seems like Mary is kind of like pulling herself away. She talks about the fact that she's going to be an empty nester, but Cody doesn't know what that feels like. And so now she's feeling this separation from her sister wives because they're all raising children together. Right. And then she's going to be an empty nester. And when the other wives try to say like, oh, what part do you want to take in this? Like, we don't want to force you to be a mom to our kids, but like... What part? And she's just very indecisive, which is classic Mary. You know, like, oh, I don't know. Uh, I need to think about it. I'm not sure. And it gets on Robin's nerves. Like, Robin's right. like, no, you should want to be a mom to my kids, too. Right. Like, you Robin, should want to be a sister wife. Robin seems very sure of exactly what she wants, right? And she just wants everyone else to be on board with that. And so it upsets her when Mary is indecisive on what exactly she wants. But I think there's things behind the scenes going on here. Definitely. That, that we're not seeing as far as relationships, the, the relationship between Mary and Cody, for example. When she says empty nester, she means empty nester as in her child is no longer going to be there. And also, very likely, she will rarely see her husband anymore. Mm. And so that is going to be a huge change for her. And I can see that that would be very concerning. And, you know, she's has, she has this big house now. What is she planning on doing at this point? Well, and she kind of said that in the tell-all. She was like, I need to see if I need to go, like, discover myself. And I, I love the interviewer was like, what does that even mean? She's like, I don't know. Like, Mary yeah. doesn't even know what it means. She doesn't know. She already, man, after watching season 18, like, we know where Mary ends up. And it feels like she's been in this divisive I don't really know where I fit in here, clear from season six. And right. it took until season 18 before she leaves. I'm like, that is just such a long time to drag out. But I mean, my heart goes out to her. It's, it's would be incredibly hard to oh. watch everybody around you have children and rearing children when you wanted that. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with her these next couple seasons. Now that she is an empty nester, her going to the graduation party, you can already see where Robin is becoming in between Mary and Cody. Oh, yeah. There's been multiple signs of that. Just um, like in the retreat, right? Yep. In the retreat yep. where Mary doesn't feel like she can stand next to Cody and Robin goes and holds both of them their hands and is like, how about now? Does that feel better now that I'm right here? And Robin's like, you need to be the husband that I know you can be. And they said later they were trying to hide from the cameras as Robin's telling Cody that he needs to do what Mary wants because this is the graduation and... I don't and, know. And they all admitted that when when Mary wants something and doesn't feel that Cody is on board, she just goes and tells Robin. And Robin gets him on board. Yeah. So that is just right there alone. <laughs> that says a lot about the relationship. And I know that Janelle in the tell-all, she tried to make sense of it. You know, that, oh, yeah, once you've been with someone for a long time, then it brings up past things and all of that. But, uh, I mean, yes, it, that's true. But at the same time, if you have a good relationship and you're trying to make it work, 
I feel like you can both at least try to be more understanding instead of just go tell on the other, you know, the other sister wife, hey, can you go fix this for me? You know, I, yeah. it just seemed very off. The sister wives tried to bond when they go on a trip to San Francisco, <laughs> which again, Mary was like, I'm not excited about this. Yeah. I'm super nervous about this. There's obviously a contention between the other wives and Mary. It mm -hmm. seems like Christine and Janelle seem fine. Robin's just desperately wanting to fit in and have everything be normal. And then Mary, again, was like, I'm not excited about doing it. And Christine's trying to be, like, lighthearted about it. Christine's like, well, right. aren't you excited to go with us? Right. And Mary literally couldn't tell her yes. She was like, uh, I wouldn't yeah. say that. Like, oh, my gosh. And Christine's, again, just trying to be, like, lighthearted. Like, you should want to be with us. Like, try to be with us. And... Mary's not excited. The whole trip was super awkward. I know they're supposed to be bonding. I hope that they got bonding in because everything that the camera showed was just so weird. From like Robin's friend taking them to a boutique, boutique where only Robin can fit into clothes. So Robin's trying on clothes so the other women could see what they... That's the weirdest thing ever. And then they go to a plus size place where and the lady just looks around and says, we have absolutely nothing for you. Like... It was just so awkward and so cringy. Like the and, entire and time. None of them found any dresses after all of that. Too. Oh no, so dress was... drama was big in this season. Oh there was, my goodness. There was none of that. But I just, I hope that they had some kind of bonding. It was awkward at dinner when Cody called and they're all like trying to like give space for them to talk. And, but it, again, it was so weird. Brett's wife said it really well where she was asking about affection to the other wives. And she's like, well, you guys know that he sleeps with all of you. So why would it bother you if he like gives Robin a hug and a kiss in front of you? Right. And Mary was like, well, we just don't want it shoved in our faces. And I was with Brett's wife on this one. I was like, okay, you don't need to be like making out. But the idea that like giving a hug and a kiss, you know that he has other wives. And if you can't get past that point, then how on earth could you make a plural marriage work? That's all I'm saying. And obviously they don't. But. It seems like they all got into this plural marriage thing for religious beliefs, of mm -hmm. course, right? That's the reason they did it. They seemed that it, they felt that it was the best thing for them. I think all of them underestimated how difficult it would be. Yeah. Except for maybe Janelle. Janelle seems like she's, you know what? I like my space. <laughs> I like that he's occupied with other people. I like my space. I like my, my, she's very independent. Yes. Well, and she's the one that made everyone feel a little uncomfortable in the therapist's office. And they were talking about putting on canvas their mission statement. And Janelle's like, well, I don't know if we want it on canvas. Cause what if Cody gets another wife? Mm -hmm. And everybody in the room was like, what? <laughs> don't even say such a thing. And Janelle's like, I'm just saying. And he's like, well, I don't think so. And she goes, well, if you're saying it's because we're not going to see it coming, like we didn't see Robin coming, and here she is. <laughs> Robin's so, face when Janelle said that. We didn't expect Robin. We didn't Robin. expect Robin. Oh, man. Yeah, that was so awkward as well. But yeah, Janelle seems to be the only one who's like, that's what I signed up for. And I wonder if part of that is because she so obviously chose it from a different religion. Like, she was in the LDS, and she said she would go and hang out with her like novel polygamous friends, and then decided to marry into Cody's family. And I feel like she fully more, I don't know, knew what she was getting into. Where even Christine said with her mom, she thought her mom was happy. And right. she thought that everything was well, good. And then her mom ended up leaving. So it makes me wonder, like, are some of the kids in these polygamous families not realizing how tough it is? And their moms are putting on brave face. Like you said, you never knew that your moms were jealous or not until ever. No, just until your I mean, sisters I, told you later. Yeah, I would hear stories. 
And there would be some, some I guess you could call it bickering in the house at some times, but I, it never came across as them being jealous. Yeah, so, so if you're raising a polygamous family and you think that your moms are just fine and that it's all hunky-dory, and so you get into a polygamous relationship and then you find out, oh, holy crap, this is so hard, mm -hmm. and you didn't well, expect it. Here's the thing as well. Janelle had no pressure to get into a polygamous marriage. Yeah, she chose true. it. She chose. She she was in a different lifestyle, different religion. She chose to move from that religion to another and get into this polygamous marriage. Mm -hmm. Whereas, if you're raised in a religion that is polygamy, then you're going to feel some kind of obligation, I would think, and based on what I saw within the FLDS, yeah, some pressure and obligation to get into a polygamous marriage as well. So. You know, it's likely that some of these wives felt the pressure and just did it because they felt they needed to. Not that, or that people around them were watching and so they had to, you know, follow suit. Yeah, so it is funny. I will say too, we got a little insight into their modesty standards for the AUB when they were on the San Francisco trip. Because yeah. I was kind of curious, they obviously address modern. They're not in prairie dresses like Sam grew up in at all. Or not that you grew up in yeah, prairie dresses. Prairie dresses I used to wear, you know. <laughs> the, uh, the modesty standards of the FLDS. It's not the same for the Brown family. But they did mention that they needed it to be three-quarter sleeve or longer and their pants needed to be three-quarter or longer. So they're like one step more scandalous than the FLDS, but they're not mainstream. Just slightly. But then the LDS, we still had strict modesty. Like you had to cover your shoulders, but then the browns aren't going to show even their upper arm, right? So you have like the rest of the world is in a tank top. LDS, you get short sleeves or cap sleeves. We would try to pull, when, <laughs> when I was a teenager, you'd like try to get the, the mod bod undershirts that would go like as close to the top of your shoulder as possible without being a tank top because that would still be considered modest. So you go there, so that's LDS, and then the AUB is obviously three-quarter, and then you have the FLDS all the way down to the wrist. That's why as FLDS, we thought ourselves as the most righteous because everyone else was showing more skin. So FLDS, most righteous, most righteous, AUB's next most righteous, LDS is the least. Kingston's, well, and then the rest of the world. The Kingston's, other, the other big group in northern Utah that practice polygamy, the Kingston's are, they just dress like normal, like everyone else, don't they? I think their modesty standards are closer to LDS. Okay. okay. We'll have to ask Amanda. Amanda I guess May. define everyone else, because in my mind, c coming from the FLDS, the mainstream LDS church dressed like everyone else. You know, in my mind, I didn't really see And then when you're raised LDS, difference. you're like, we are not dressing like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really see the difference coming from there. Now I see it, you know, because I've seen and been around so many LDS people. Now I see that they try to be a little bit more modest, but I don't know. That's also a family by family thing. And it might be the same for the Brown family. Maybe there are some people within the AUB religion that don't practice the same standards of... Uh, modesty or maybe there are some that are a lot more strict with certain things yeah. because we do see some of the children in the Brown family start to wear less modest thing as things as time goes on. Yeah, I noticed that with the children. I was like, oh, okay, like now I'm seeing some tank tops, I'm seeing some short shorts. So it seems mm -hmm. like their children are definitely adopting more to Las Vegas culture than Utah culture. Because even in Utah, even if they were going to regular public schools, yeah. they're going to end up with probably closer to the LDS standard of modesty, which is also changing, like you said. I think yeah. it was just within the last couple of years, like when I 
was in, being raised in the LDS church. We had the for strength of youth and it specifically said like no short shorts, no tank tops, no bikinis. Like it was very specific. And then they just redid the for strength of youth. And I believe now it says to like take it up in prayer with your and talk with your parents about what you feel comfortable in and just make sure you're respecting yourself, which right. is awesome that they're going more in that direction of just self-respect instead of these strict rules. That is not how it was when I grew up though. Yeah, things, oh. things have definitely gotten a lot different than they used to be in all of these religions, for, yes, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. The Irish beers at the pub, again, that's a huge Ooh, religious yes. thing. Definitely no-go. In the LDS, we would not even take in a sip. Like, I would not take a sip of alcohol, even just to try it for the local culture. Like, when we were LDS, we wouldn't have done that. I have a feeling, since all of them kind of mentioned that, oh, Cody's not in charge of me. Instead of instead of saying something along the lines of, oh, we don't do this because God doesn't want us to, it made me think that they take the word of wisdom, This the word of wisdom is a guide of what you should and shouldn't eat from Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. But it was a recommendation. It wasn't a commandment originally. Yes. And it continued as a recommendation in the FLDS, I know for sure. And most likely in the AUB as well, the religion that they're from. And so I, I have a feeling that they didn't think that God was frowning down on them for taking a sip, but it was more a Cody rule. And it's a recommendation drink. for your health is how it's written in the scripture. And the LDS, it's a commandment now. So modern day prophets have said it's a commandment. It is necessary for you to abide by it in order to receive a temple recommend. Mm -hmm. So it's very much like black and white within the LDS church. Like you said, other ones still consider it the recommendation that it says. Also within the word of wisdom itself, it actually says that you can drink beer and that mild drinks are okay. So that no one- also changed within the mainstream LDS church. Yes, exactly. So now you definitely, beer is still definitely a no-go, but if you're following, if you're going to the fundamentals and you're reading the scriptures directly and exactly what the scripture says and believes that that's fundamentally true and you're not listening to modern day prophets, the scripture itself says that beer is okay. Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. The next episode basically made me cry the whole time because I am a contagious crier truly? about truly getting mm. sick and having acute kidney failure. And oh my gosh, okay, having little kids, little kids should not be able to get sick. It just breaks my heart. And seriously, I think I cried like through that whole episode. Watching the family though, and they even admit later in the tell all, like watching the family come together and put aside their differences and all just do what needs to be done and truly be there for each other in a moment of crisis was sweet to watch. Oh, yes. If, if <sighs> without any notes, if someone said what was season six about, I would say it was about truly. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that stood out to me. It was the most important thing that they had to deal with. And man, that's just one of those things, like they kind of mentioned this, that when you have a child, they're your everything. They are your world. Everything revolves around them all of a sudden, you know? And it's just instincts, I think. At least it should be, in my opinion. And when you have a child that is on death's door, like, like truly was, it just, all of a sudden, nothing else. All of the little things that you often are stressed out about or concerned about just don't matter anymore, right? Yeah. It just, and they mentioned that. I think it might have been Cody that all of the little stuff just all of a sudden was no big deal. And it helps bring a family together and it helps in some ways make a stronger relationship and a stronger family when you realize, oh, you guys are what is important to me. 
not all the little, little things. Yeah, exactly. So, so glad truly was okay. So scary. So, so scary. But yeah, I think it really did bring the family. It seemed like it brought Christine and Cody a lot closer together. And Christine was talking the same thing about how the little things just didn't matter as much and that they needed to yeah. focus on their family and the family unit that they are. And I will say in the one-on-one -on -one at the end, they had talked about... <laughs> Whenever they talk about their kids being raised by each other, their comfort level, and their kids being raised by the other sister wives, that's probably the only time you see them all in unison agree quickly. Right. You know, and all sorts of other things, Mary's hesitating, or this person's hesitating, or one person's talking more than the other. But when they say, you know, would you be comfortable with your sister wives raising your children if something was to happen, all of them immediately go, yes. Or when Mary's asked, like, would you raise Christine's kids if something happened to her? And she's absolutely like, no question. Yeah. Well, They've so. always been around the kids. These kids have grown up together, maybe not always in the same house or anything, but, but together. together siblings, and they've yeah. known each other. And the sister wives have seen the kids, the entire lives of these kids. And so I can imagine that they would feel some kind of responsibility and care for them, definitely. Even if they do not like the other sister wife, they are still going to care <laughs> for the children. Yeah, which kind of comes into the recommitment ceremony that they had their party of recommitting to each other. Once again, Mary was like hesitant throughout the whole thing. And it seemed like it took a long time for their vision to really come together. It was a lot of this season as well. But in the one on, or in the tell all at the end, I thought Mary had a good point where she was saying she was hoping that they could kind of overcome their differences and be closer before they recommitted. And then she said, but maybe we were just making a commitment to start enjoying it to enjoy our commitment to each other. And that's the commitment we're making more than things are going to be perfect because we're never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so rather than waiting till everything's perfect to recommit, we're recommitting to, we're going to enjoy this right. and we're going to enjoy being a family. So I thought that was sweet. The commitment ceremony, them all coming together, coming up with the family thing, watching the kids have this moment where they're all telling the parents what they're grateful for about them and the things that they learned and stuff. I think Overall, it was very sweet. There was lots of drama in between that... With the dresses and the Christmas lights and the different things. That you can go and watch because yeah. I don't want to relive it. <laughs> no, lots of drama. But in the end, they, they pulled it out. They were able to have a good night. And hopefully, that kind of signifies the beginning of the sister wives trying to be closer as sister wives. I don't know if it's really going to work. Well, we do know. Well, we know that we're it doesn't. We're not going to spoil it for you. Oh, wait. Sorry. We already spoiled it. <laughs> but that's a long time from now before it all falls apart. Right. So hopefully, hopefully they get there's some good through. times before. Exactly. Yeah. Big part of it as well was the fact that Cody's brother and dad passed away within a very short period of time. Yes. And, and uh, they went up and visited the grave and all of that. So anyway, that was very sad and heartbreaking, especially... I mean, I know that his dad was getting older and sometimes, who knows, maybe they were expecting that to come. But for his brother that just passed away in an accident, that is just, I can't imagine. And how difficult that was for Cody's mom to get over that. And, well, probably still hasn't fully gotten over it. That's not something you just get over. But it would just be a very difficult thing for anyone to try to understand how, how hurtful that would be. Yeah, and there was a lot, I, I feel like... When they were in Wyoming, you also saw the family come together. Mary took the kids back to the house where they all had their handprints and stuff. And I think kind of reminded everybody of their roots as a family. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, like you said earlier, 
tragedy can really bring people together, right? Mm -hmm. And they went through a lot, like, back-to-back. -back. So it was Curtis passing away, then truly getting sick, and then, you know, Cody's dad passing away, and it all happened within, like, a six-month time span. Like, what it was a, all really, really close. What a heck of a summer. Jeez. Yeah, and so, but I feel like you could kind of see the family coming together a lot more and being more grateful for their life and their connections and their family more than ever before because of all this tragedy that happened. So... We'll see if that closeness and bond continues on into season seven. Yeah. If you want to hear more of what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy, then please like and subscribe. And we are so grateful for all of you and hanging out with us as we have these fresh eyes on Sister Wives. We'll be back at it next week with season seven. So stay tuned for that. Yes. Thank you all so much for being with us again. We look forward to talking with you soon. Talk to y'all soon.